Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Tookie's Take podcast. I'm the namesake of this show. It says so on my birth certificate. And today, I am alongside only one person. Endo, we're, we're throwing it back to, uh, you know, the, the beginning of the winter. It's just, just the two of us. Look at this. How are you? I'm good. Um, I had a bit for this, like, you know, just the two of us. Bring out the Bill Withers song and start singing, but I'm like, I, no, thank you. <laughs> not not, not yet. <laughs> not in a singing mood. I might have to end up being in a, a singing mood, by the way. I was uh, cultivating ideas for the upcoming charity stream that I think will be next weekend, not this weekend. And one of the suggestions was whenever someone donates a certain amount that I need to sing like a power ballad from the 80s and I don't I don't know <laughs> I don't know like they were like yeah go like full wig Brett Michaels bandana and I'm like I'm supposed to raise money for charity not chase people away yeah but... <laughs> yeah that's uh <laughs> that's going to be something for sure um <laughs> although now if not that it's a power ballad, but if that happens, we're singing just the two of us together. We're gonna make okay. it work out. You gotta do it for the stream. <laughs> I'd be the wind up in the sky, up to red mouth. Just the two of us. All right, well, that was the Tookie's Take Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Uh, but now, hey, Endo and I are back here today uh, to talk about everything that's gone on in the world of hockey over the course of the weekend and into the beginning of this week. Although, on Monday, there was one game between the Coyotes and the Sens, so we don't really have too much to talk about there. If anything, that's probably the only time we'll mention it. It will not be the only time on this show that we mention, though, our lovely sponsors. Our friends over at Manscaped, sticking with the show. Of course, you can use code Tugi at checkout. 20% off your order. Free worldwide shipping from Romania to Indonesia and anywhere in between and anywhere Bulgaria. else, really. I mean, because there's a lot, there's a lot of there's a lot of other ground in between those two nations. Use code Tugi at checkout to be able to secure that deal and as well get the best tools for the job. It doesn't matter. If you're taking care of your face, of your balls, anywhere in between, Manscaped's got you covered. Endo Mills. What's that code again? Tugi. T-O-U-G-I-E. Tugi. I won the spelling bee, and the spelling bee will get me 20% off and free worldwide shipping at code Manscaped. Use code Manscaped, not at code Manscaped. Manscaped.com. I took the ball. <laughs> I fumbled it, but I kicked it in the air. Tugi. Yeah, Manscaped at Tugi. Dot net. <laughs> Dot gov. Dot gov. <laughs> oh, God. So a big thank you to Manscaped. And a big thank you to those of you that sent us in some viewer questions here today. Again, the link to our Discord is in the description. The podcast questions section. The place to be for that. And we will kick things off today with myself as Endo. Mark Stahl has played in his 1,000th career game, meaning that he, Eric, and Jordan are the first trio of brothers to all reach 1,000 games played. Now, the Stahls almost, 
almost had four, four brothers hit the 1,000 game club. There's Jared Stahl, of course. How many games away was Jared Stahl from 1,000 games played? A lot. Because <laughs> he, 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 re- he just said, I'm kind of done with the NHL, and he started working with us. I think it's one of the family members was like, yeah, hockey ain't for me. I'm just going to go work with my family's business or whatever. That wasn't him. He's actually, uh, to this day, an assistant coach with the ECL, ECHL's Orlando Solar Bears. So Never still in hockey. I take, it, I take what I said back. Uh, I but think it, I, it I, I know who you're talking about. The name escapes me, though. Yeah, it's one of the Stahl brothers, or one of the, it's, oh, it's a fan member of, like, a family has, like, a whole bunch, a whole bunch of them in, like, the NHL. Probably one of the Sutters, let's be honest. Like, yeah, I think so. Someone along those lines. Um, uh, I, I had think... no other way to mention the milestone. Yeah. Other than bringing it up here. Uh, but yeah, Jared Stahl had two games played. So the correct answer was 998 two games? games. He had two NHL games. Come on. With the Hurricanes back in the 2012-2013 season. But that's huh. insanity to think that you have three brothers that have all played a thousand games in the NHL. I don't know if we'll ever see that again, let alone in our lifetimes. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, well, mm, the Hughes. Ooh, the Hughes, though. They have yeah. a good chance. They do have a good shot. It would be cool to see them all play on the same team for like a year. I mean, they can do it. Top defense pair, Quinn and Luke. Oh, dude, imagine three-on-three overtime, and it's just the Hughes brothers out there. That'd be a commentating, like, <laughs> it'd be easy. Hughes, the Hughes, the Hughes. <laughs> Goal by Hughes. Yeah, Which one? I don't you, fucking know. <laughs> you wouldn't want to go by first names at all. That's what they did with the Sedins. It's just Daniel, Henrik. You know who we're talking yeah. about. I was going to wonder about, like, because I remember we talked about this. Uh, I remember writing an article about this um, last year when I was working with uh, Bar Down. Um, when the Ottawa Senators had, like, four people on the on their active roster with the last name Brown. <laughs> it's like Josh, yeah. Connor, yeah. Logan. Logan. Ooh, I can't remember the, the last one. Who was the fourth Brown? There was like there was like four or three. I can't. I can look up the article. It might have. It might have been three because I cannot think of a fourth one. I'm trying like hell to think of the fourth uh, one. <laughs> if there is one, Connor Brown, Josh Brown, Logan Brown. <sighs> oh yeah. Oh, this is nostalgia. It, it I has wrote to be this. three, right? I can't believe I wrote this, and I put a fucking Highlander reference at the bottom, where it's like, "Kidder, there can only be one," and no one, no one got the joke. I'm like, "Thanks, guys." Uh, so it was. It's three: Connor, Logan, okay. and Josh. Hey, there we go. Shout out to roster editing for helping me know that. Because why else would I? Pay attention to the Ottawa Senators. Although, you know what's funny is I, I wasn't going to bring it up. Well, actually, no, we were going to bring it up at today's show, and screw it, now's the perfect time. Shout out to DJ Smith's attempted defense of uh, Nikita Zaitsev and Josh Brown. Um, you expect the coach to defend their players, but this was essentially his quote. Last year, people went after Erica Branson, and now he's in Calgary playing 20 minutes a night on a very good team. So that was his defense of Zaitsev and Brown. By comparing them to Erica Branson. Good Branson is third pair in Calgary, by the way, but I love the fact that he's like, well, he plays minutes on a good team as an indicator as to why he's good, uh, but analytics are a bad way to judge talent, everybody. 
I love that you could almost read this as he's calling out like his own coaching here. <laughs> yeah. Like Branson last year was horrible under me as the head coach, and now he's much better in Calgary. Or are you saying your players are bad? Because you said Erica Branson went to a good team in Calgary, so what's your team? But aren't you trying to defend your players? DJ Smith, keep him away from a microphone. <laughs> that's oh, my one request. That's hilarious. Like he, he just calls out his own team. He's like, yeah, he's playing on a good team. Hey, hey DJ, what about your team? Ah! <laughs> like, even when you're a bad team, like, you don't want to, you always try to defend it as like, you know, we're, we're a work in progress. We play real hard every night, though. Mm-hmm. Not, oh yeah, Eric left. Now he's on a good team. So if Zaitsev and Josh Brown went to a good team, they'd be good too. Based, good job, DJ. Good job. Proud of you. Uh, our, God, our Leafs legend, DJ Smith. Oh, man. Our first real question of the night comes from Hawks. And Hawks, I gotta be honest, buddy, I'm gonna shut you down here. Which Dark Horse team in the NHL has the best chance to really make some noise come Stanley Cup playoff time? I think we have to wait until the deadline. Which, at the time of recording this show, the NHL trade deadline is under six days away. Yay. Yeah, under six days away. And I think we will likely have a show the day of. I mean, I'll certainly be live streaming on Twitch and hope to God you know, some deals happen, and then we'll probably have like a mini-episode talking about some of the stuff afterwards. But I think we got to wait until the deadline, right? Because we still don't know what some teams are going to do that are kind of on the bubble. It, it really doesn't make any sense to be like, okay, who's kind of a, a dark horse team compared to Colorado and Tampa? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it, it depends on, does a team like Dallas or Nashville make the playoffs? So we got to wait it out there, Hawks. I hate to tell you. From Hawks to Killer Socks, bracket. The whole episode is you guys doing a bracket. Now, I know you responded to this on the Discord, I know, but I presume he means March Madness. And as you said, problem, I'm Canadian. Yeah. So I'm going to guess you don't give a shit about March Madness. Not at all. Like, <laughs> it doesn't really affect me. I know people over here are like, yeah, March Madness. Like, March Madness is, like, the biggest, like, exploitation of, like, athletes in general. And, like, I mean, obviously now they have the ability to make money with sponsorships and stuff like that. But before that, it was just massively exploitive of all these of all these athletes and people who deserve to get paid or some sort of compensation. You could say, oh, they're getting tuition and, like, that, whatever. I mean... Well, they have yeah. changed the rules slightly, like, in the past year or so. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's... It's still not where it should be based off of the amount of money being made by people not playing in the actual games. Yeah. So uh, my cousin uh, was a football. He was running back over at uh, a university in Ohio. God bless his soul. And um, it was like a D2 university. Uh, He had a full ride uh, tuition. He couldn't step foot into like any sort of like thing that could be conceived as him getting a sponsorship because it could completely null and void his entire contract with the with the school it's like you're basically like locking them down um i think the hottest take that i had for this was um (laughs) 
<laughs> I think I think it's too hot for the podcast, and it's it's memey. I, I think um the the paint was like um, is there is there such a thing as a take too hot for this podcast? It, it was like it's like on the range of like being too much, and like too like w- like off the deep end. And I thought it was like a meme take, and I was just like, yeah, you know, sports uh sports especially NCAA is the perfect way to still uh enact some sort of slavery in the world. And, and, and everyone's like, whoa. I mean, I'm not wrong, but it's different in the way. I mean, the way they're not being compensated and treated properly. Is that a hot take? I don't think so. I don't think so? <laughs> we'll, okay. We'll also turn the conversation back to basketball. <laughs> <laughs> because I, as the the whitest man on this podcast, uh, not just because Sin's not here today, um, <laughs> or Davos or Crash, for that matter. No, it's, it's still me. It's I'm still the whitest guy on this podcast. Let's be real. Let's be real. I listen to Muse, okay? Mm, Fair. Fair enough. There you go. (laughs) Tuki's the blackest Uh, on this podcast. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's go. Let's keep going through. I like March Madness. Um, I love the idea of the tournament. The problem is I just don't have anybody to root for, you know, like as an actual school. So I always just, of course, root for the underdogs, which lasts as long as it lasts. And then they never, ever win you know like just once just once i don't know maybe that's what makes it special one time an underdog wins you can really celebrate it but at the same time i love the idea of the tournament i was actually really close to obviously we had done a lot of ncaa uh college football revamped on stream uh over the past month or so and i was actually looking into maybe because i have the old college uh basketball games Although apparently different people are trying to do for college basketball 2K10 what people did for NCAA 14 in terms of modding. But they're still in the early stages of it, so I elected not to look into that. But just the idea of a 64-team tournament is it's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It is. It's awesome. Wait, it's what's just, that one school you know, with the nun? Oh, was it uh, Loyola? Yeah, they're pretty chill. I do believe. I mean, and they're back in the tournament this year, too. That nun is like the, the hype squad of everything. Yeah. What was it Sister Jean or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There was my sure team. Was. Uh, you found it. You, you found it. Dude, she is 100. She, number one, she has her own Wikipedia page. Uh, wow. Secondly, she is 102 years old. What? <laughs> what? She was born August 21st, 1919. Damn, that bitch went through both wars. That is insanity. Well, well, three now. Uh, so, whew. wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. No kidding. There you go, everybody. For those playing podcast bingo at home, there's your first war reference. (laughs) (laughs) Waiting on a war. Oh God. Speaking of war, baseball, baseball. Yeah, yeah. Wins above replacement. There you go. They finally came together. The rich people and the uh, not-so-rich finally decided to come together on an agreement because they realized, um, you know, we don't, we don't have base, baseball in the docket as much as I think people probably want us to, but I'm glad that well, they got I mean, that shit together. We are still kind of waiting to see how free agency is going to go, and obviously like a lot of teams have made the trades, you know, a good amount of trades. They've made the trades. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a sports fan. They've made the trades and playing the ball. Um, like the Yankees picked up Josh Donaldson, which is really weird, um, because, ugh, just what a horrible uniform to wear. 
I'm still kind of waiting to see how the dust settles on that, you know? But I, I'm definitely excited for baseball, and it certainly makes things more interesting when, uh, you know, the show comes out on April 1st, which we're super close. Uh, to round out the question about March Madness, though, Endo is going to bandwagon Loyola. And I am going to bandwagon. I mean, I want to pick like a Memphis or someone like that who have always done well. Shout out to Vermont. Vermont's in the tournament. Who wouldn't want to root for Vermont? <laughs> uh, let's bandwagon Vermont. Why not? Or Chattanooga, because apparently they have a decent chance. Go Chattanooga. Although, you know what? I, I really kind of want to look up what the uh, the actual team names are, because there are some weird ones. Is there one with the Gamecocks uh, or whatever? That's South Carolina. What a There's a name. team, and god damn it, I can't remember which one it is. Um, but they're the, the fucking spiders or some shit. And I'm like, that's just a sweet ass name for a basketball team. Uh, which is what the uh, Cleveland Guardians should have been called. Imagine that. I'd be so much more hyped for baseball if it was the Cleveland Spiders. Oh, yeah. They're dope as hell. Or the Arachnids <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> the Cleveland Spidermans. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> That would have been perfect because people would have been using it's not always about the money, Manfred, like like that. It's not always about the uh, money, Spider-Man. God damn it. It's about the mess. Baby, go the mess. <laughs> Rob Manfred is J. Jonah Jameson. Change <laughs> my mind. <laughs> Equally pieces of garbage. Our next I want lockouts on Spider-Man. From... I want lockouts on the Spider-Man. <laughs> I want lockouts next week, Tuesday. <laughs> Give me pictures of the players crying. <laughs> I want sad pictures. I want sad pictures on the wall, on the ceiling, on the on the boards. <laughs> Whew. All right. <laughs> How the hell did we get here? I don't even, this is what happens when we talk about baseball. Yeah, this is what happens when we don't have someone to anchor us down. Yeah. Premium bagel. Thoughts on the Coyotes' recent run of form and the likeliness that Chickren gets traded for the, quote, King's ransom amount that has been reported. Now... Uh, the Coyotes, uh, alongside the Montreal Canadiens, have actually been two of the hottest teams in the league. Shout out to Cole Caulfield's slap shot winner against the Flyers. Like there is, n- I watched a compilation on YouTube the other day. There is nothing better than a player just skating into the zone and just yeah, and right into the back of the goal. There's nothing better. It's it's obviously like the best of all time is Steve Eiserman after stripping the puck away from Gretzky and blasting it from the blue line. There's nothing better than that. I'm sorry. You can take your Connor McDangles and do whatever the hell you want. Just give me someone slap shotting the puck in from distance, even on a breakaway. It's the best. In terms of the Coyotes, though, because that they were the question, I, I kind of feel bad for them. Because winning right now isn't ideal. They are essentially in a three-horse race for the number one lottery odds. Although, that race is getting a little bit, uh, little bit close. So the bottom of the league right now, you have... The Montreal Canadiens on the worst point percentage in the league. They have 40 points through 59 games. Nice. The Coyotes have 42. And then there's the Kraken at 42 points as well, but they've played two more games than those other two teams. And then you have Philadelphia and Ottawa, who are only five points ahead of those three teams. So for Montreal and Arizona, you are winning at the worst time to the point 
where Seattle might actually be able to pull this off. Uh, both the Yotes and the Habs have seven wins in their last ten. The Kraken have two. So, you know, it, it's not the best time for the Yotes to go on this run. They do have all of the all of the draft picks, and they're likely to get more. Again, they already have three firsts and five seconds. It's like NHL 22 franchise mode. It's nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still have Phil Kessel they could try to trade. I don't know if anyone would take Louis Erickson, um, Anton Strawman if you could deal him for half salary. Like They do have some pieces they could move to get a few more assets. I'd say Kessel is the biggest one. You could argue whether or not Kessel would want to change the scenery right now after you know his child was just born. In terms of Chikrin, though, because I know I don't know if you'll disagree. Like it's just kind of the idea. Like yeah, the Yotes are winning when they shouldn't be. Same for Montreal. Like it's a pretty stacked draft. Then again, you know, actually, now that I think about it, do you want the number one pick this year? Would you have the utmost confidence in Shane Wright, knowing? Now, granted, different league, OHL, WHL, but Shane Wright has been looked at as not exactly dominating the OHL. Like he thought, would you, or like we thought, or everyone really thought that he would, would you have the utmost confidence? I mean, he has 71 points in 49 games, so Elite Prospects has him projected at 64 games played with 92 points. I still, you know, I still would have some good confidence in taking him first overall. Like, the expectation level was set so damn high for him to be like, oh yeah, 64 games, 192 points. But would you have confidence, or do you feel like, yeah, you know, this is the year where you don't necessarily need to get that number one overall pick? It makes you think. Um, I think one thing for sure is they put way too much pressure on these kids coming out. 100%. Um, I think another thing as well is um, like, I think even even if, like, He's that good out of OHL. I think they should take him. You should give him another year just to go there, just to tear it up again. Realistically, no matter what happens, because I think maybe he's not. Because we had what happened with Alexi Lafreniere. He went up from mm. the queue over there, but the queue is like a different level of competition, I guess. Like, I think the tier yeah. system is like OHL, Q, and then like W. Uh, like, the OHL will always be like the premier league. Uh, aside from obviously playing in Europe and playing, you with would men. say that being in Ontario, your Ontario bias is showing. My Ontario bias is showing. I'll sh- fucking Ontario bias show you my ass. Shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> 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 sorry, I'm I'm kind of tired, so I'm not dealing with a lot of shit today. Um, but uh, yeah, I I don't think um, they can go wrong either way. Um, if they grab it from the from the W or they grab it from the O. Uh, either one. Just, just don't rush. Say, don't rush prospects. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Just take your time. No, with that's, them. that's that's my takeaway too. Like the Coyotes are going to be awful next year too. Oh yeah. If it, you know, the Habs might. I mean, granted, both teams, really, any of the three: Arizona, Montreal, Seattle. I think all three though would feel the heat of needing to trot out their number one overall pick. Just. For the sake of getting people to the building, um, I mean the Kraken certainly. Like here's our 
first ever number one pick or Arizona. Hey, we're playing in a college stadium. Here's our guy. He can't but, drink yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to ASU, one of the uh, one of the state's most notorious party schools. Here's our guy who can't legally drink. Yeah. Now, in terms of Chikrin, though, I don't see him getting moved. Um, he is currently out injured for a few weeks, which kind of sets the stage for, like, he was the top name out on the market, even though he still has term. Which I think now might position, of all people, Ben Sherratt as the top defender. He's being held out of tonight's game, so it's fairly obvious, like, the negotiations are there. I saw the Blues name uh, being thrown around quite a bit, which, of course, I mean, if you talk about a team that he would fit in well with, it's going to be the St. Louis Blues. Just that idea of we want big physical defensemen. Now, granted, they have Tory Krug and Justin Falk, but both of those guys do play more physical, despite not being the biggest in the world. And then you have 6'3", Marco Scandella, 6'6", Colton Pareko, 6'4", Miko Mikola, 6'4", Robert Bortuzzo. Uh, like, that's just what they do, especially with uh, Barube as being the coach. Like, yes, give us big physical defensemen on the blue line. So he'd fit in well there. If it's not Sherratt as the top name, though, heading into the uh, deadline, which kind of shows how rough this is, if it's not Sherratt being the top guy, Klingberg, I guess. Like, he has 30 points this year, 31, I think, to be exact. But is he still the defensive liability he looks to be? I mean, he's on a team that you would think has a defense-first style with Rick Bonus as their coach. Mark Giordano isn't what he used to be. Then you have Hampus Lindholm, Justin Braun... And, of course, PK's name is being thrown out there, even though the Devils would have to retain half their salary. Yep. i got to be honest, the deadline's a little bit more boring now that Chikrin's hurt. <laughs> because mm. these aren't exactly blockbuster names, but in fairness, they are names that could really help, I would say. Like, these are the type of names. They're not the blockbuster names, but they are the type of guys uh, that can help kind of put a team... Over the edge. Like, I don't think Ben Sherratt's an amazing defenseman. Why? Because the numbers. And people be like, but what about the eye test? The eye test doesn't paint the prettiest picture either. Let's be honest here. He's a guy that gives a lot of effort. It's tough to quantify effort. But it's not tough to quantify the other aspects of the game in which he hasn't been great. But if you get Ben Sherratt and you don't play him on your top pair... Good things might be able to happen, and a team like St. Louis or ah, Toronto for a first uh, might be a great fit. <laughs> I love how that rumor is just not going away about Ben Sherratt oh in God. Toronto. Like this, how? Why we'll talk we more first? about the Leafs God. a little bit later on. Why would but... we give a first? Oh my God! I, it's the one thing. It's just like it's just like uh, a father going for milk. It's like, it's in hand. Like they just leave. Like, why do you want to give away your first hand pick? Like every single time. Can we, can we get a first rounder? Even if we don't make the, even if we get our ass kicked in the playoffs, which is probably going to happen. Let's be real. Uh, can we just get, the, there are some pretty good defensemen coming up in the draft this year. We, it, you need to grow on defense. Do it that way. You need to grow on goaltending fucking trade. Cause God knows we can't develop any goaltenders. Although, Apparently we can with Joe Wall and with um, 
uh, Shilgrim, but Shilgrim's an import, so it doesn't really make it doesn't really make a difference then. So Chickard traded. I'm saying no. I'm sure Endo agrees. Yeah, and, he's not going anywhere. Uh, that defensive market is. Uh, a little bit rough, but that's it. The Bruins trade for a right-handed shot at the deadline. Best defenseman in the league, no matter who they get. Next question comes from RG Dust. Thoughts on the Colorado Avalanche's move so far, and what could it take for them to get Giroux, in your opinion? Now, to recap their moves. Uh, they re-signed backup goaltender Pavel Francos for two years, two million. He was already making two million, so basically a straight-up two-year extension. They traded defensive prospect Drew Hellison and a 2023 second-round pick to the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for Josh Manson on 50% retained salary. So first and foremost, the backup goalie move, good move. Mm -hmm. Good goalie. Hellison in a second for Josh Manson. Eh, it's a little bit expensive, but... You're paying for them to retain salary. And Josh Manson for two million bucks is still a pretty damn good deal. So I don't have an issue with that at all. Uh, by the way, the Ducks went on, uh, I think today, if not yesterday, to sign Drew Hellison. And uh, damn good move. Like the Ducks have some pretty damn good depth on the uh, blue line. Now, like obviously, Jamie Drysdale is there, but they have uh, Zellweger, Lacombe, Henry Thrun. Like, the Ducks are set up pretty damn well on the blue line after a move like this. The move today for the Avs is that they traded Tyson Jost to Minnesota straight up for Nico Sturm. Jost was making $2 million against the cap. Sturm is making league min at seven hundred and fifty k. On top of that, now you notice here, they've cleared out some cap. Landeskog is also getting knee surgery. Uh, he should be ready for the playoffs. Now, this is 100% cap circumvention. <laughs> like, make no mistake. Like, they're, they're like, yeah, it's a nagging injury, and uh, you, want, you know, you wanted to go get it cleared up. This is not the type of surgery a player gets in the NHL until the offseason. Let's be honest. Oh, that nagging injury. Guys take care of that in the offseason, and they play through it all the time. This is 100% them opening up space to be able to make a move, preferably for Claude Giroux. The problem, Elliot Friedman mentioned, that Giroux's preference is apparently with the Florida Panthers. Now, Giroux is fresh off of posting his 900th career point in his 999th career game with the Flyers, which is insane. Yeah. Also scored his uh, 291st goal of all time, passed Lindros for 8th all-time on the Flyers' career goal list. Colorado making moves, making smart moves. In terms of what it takes for them or Florida to get Giroux, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of the same thing it always is, right? A first... It, prospects, maybe a roster player now. Colorado though, Mr. Rendo Mills, uh, they don't have their second round pick this year or next, nor do they have their first round pick this year. Uh, that was sent to the Coyotes in exchange for Darcy Kemper. Are the Avalanche the right fit for Claude Giroux? Because you are likely looking at giving up you already don't have this year's first, 
and you're likely going to give up your first rounder next year to get that deal done. I say, though, it's worth it for Joe Sackick to risk it because who gives a shit about first-round picks if you're winning a Stanley Cup? I don't, I don't know. Um, like, I'm looking at, like, Giroux's, like, historical, like, how he plays. He's a very, he's a very passive. I thought, I thought Giroux had more goals than he did before. Like, I thought he had more than 291. Like, I always thought it was like a goal scorer, not really like a playmaker. Uh, Apparently not. <laughs> yeah. I thought the same thing in fairness. Yeah. Like, I remember going to, I think my first ever Leaf game was, um, that game he hit the, the fucking Datsuk on, um, you know, Scott's, I think it was either Toskler or Gustafson, either one of those terrible Leaf goalies. Um, yeah. And I was like right behind, like right behind the glass too, like right behind the net. So I saw that happen, like, like basically real time. And like, I felt it as a goalie. And, um, yeah, I don't know if he's going to fit well with that team. Uh, I mean, that team does have a lot of, like, scoring power, but I don't know if he would be able to slide in and they would be able to adjust having another playmaker on that team. I mean, I'm looking at it now, and obviously, you know, McKinnon first-line center, Kadri second-line center. So do you slide one of them down, or do you move McKinnon to the wing? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Claude Giroux. You make room, and you make it work. But at the same time, I mean, again, the Avs do have some hurdles to clear. Again, cap space-wise, even if Landeskog's on IR, which, again, is just pure cap circumvention. I think, you know, in talking about the return that the Flyers would want, though, both, because uh, it looks like Minnesota's probably out of it. Like, if you're taking back Tyson Jost, I don't know, man. But Florida and Colorado both have the prospects to get it done. Um, neither actually have their first or second round pick this year. So no matter what, Philly would be looking at a first rounder next year. I don't know. I'm intrigued, but it really does seem to be between those two. And I think... The Panthers would have a more difficult time getting the deal done unless somebody magically ends up on IR. Because right now they have quite a bit of money tied up. Unless you're going to tack on a Patrick Hornquist to the deal or a Brandon Montour who they just re-signed. I don't know. I, I still, despite Giroux's preference apparently being Florida, I think they have a more difficult time getting that deal done. So, for Colorado, again, they have prospects. I mean, even like an Oscar Olison can help get the deal done. I mean, any team can get pretty much any deal done. Like, they're good to go. So, I'm I'm intrigued. But if I had to guess at this point, Claude Giroux does end up as a member of Colorado. And I think they win the cup this year, too, if that happens. I'll say it. I'll say it. Thank you guys for sending in your questions. Again, the Discord, link in the description. Wherever you're listening or watching to the show. We will now turn this over to the Endo Mills portion of this podcast. Endo, the Leafs played in the Heritage Classic. Did they? On the weekend. Did they really? They did. No, they didn't. Never happened. And they lost to the Buffalo Sabres. Never happened. The only thing that no. was really cool about that, um, I think the greatest thing about the event wasn't even that um, the event happened. 
or that the Leafs got their ass kicked. Um, one of my buddies um, that I play hockey with, he's actually the goalie for my uh, beer league team I play on Saturdays, um, is a graphic designer. I'm going to give him a shout out, Dave Murray. Um, he was commissioned to do a lot of work for uh, the Heritage Classic. Like you see the whole like industrial kind of style with the players, like a like a very 2D style artwork. That was all him. Mm. Really? Yeah. Uh, he got commissioned uh, by the guys who do all the logos and stuff for the NHL uh, to do that stuff over there. He said, like, he was talking to me about it. He said it was an absolute hassle because you need to, like, for people who know, who know graphic design and stuff like that, you need to get a vector image of that. But it has to be big enough so that we can blow that shit up any size and not lose any sort of quality whatsoever. And so Oof. he, like, had to use, like, three different computers to render out everything because everything was just so big. Uh, I guess because his computer wasn't really that that good, but still, uh, yeah. Shout out to him uh, for getting that done. He wanted he tried to keep it a secret, but he has a very distinct art style. So like, you could tell it was his work. He's like, hmm, I wonder who did this. I'm like, yeah, I I really wonder who. It's clearly you, but you don't want to admit it. And uh, yeah, he was there to watch the Leafs actually get completely pummeled. And watch Austin Matthews mm-hmm. uh, take a have a temper tantrum on the ice. Um, yeah. So about that. Yeah, uh, I was gonna incident, I was gonna segue right into that. That was yeah. The incident everyone's talking about. Rasmus Dahlin kind of gets into it with Austin Matthews, shoves him on his ass towards the goal. Mm-hmm. Matthews gets up and cross checks him right in the side of the head slash neck. Uh, he is subsequently suspended. For two games, mm-hmm. your thoughts on the incident and your thoughts on the suspension. I'm surprised that the the refs let that go on even in the beginning. Like when he just shoved them randomly, that the play's nowhere there. Anything shoved uh, that in. you know to interrupt. That's my immediate thought too. Mm-hmm. Is that the refs didn't interject before Matthews even got the chance to step up and cross check him. You know what the best part about it is? There's a I think it's a ref right behind you or lines. I'm not sure. I don't really care. But he's sitting right behind the net. Looking at the entire play, going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no 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 no! Like like what? What's going on? <laughs> like I think I think there was a little bit like I get Lilina like let them play and all this mentality behind that as I pour some water, and it's just I think it's just too much. I'm not. It's not negating whatever um happened to Austin Matthews. I think giving him two games. I think. In general, all the other calls where there was like slashing and like high sticking to the neck and stuff like that should have been at least a game or two. Um, I think that's the problem people have with this. What Austin Matthews did, suspension worthy? Yes. Like, man, it doesn't matter if you lose your temper. And I, I avoided talking or adding the Vegas Golden Knights to our run sheet because we pretty much talked about them uh, in last week's uh Friday episode, just the idea of how they're struggling, but there was an incident over the past few days uh, where Max Pacioretty just punched Chris Letang right in the back of the fucking head. Right. Like, dude, that's that's not a hockey play. That's fucking assault. Especially for Chris Letang, who has a history of concussions. Max Pacioretty, somebody on Reddit found this, Max Pacioretty gave Chris Letang a concussion in 2011 off of a hit. Mm-hmm. And the Max Pacioretty himself, like, say what you want about the Zidane Chara incident, Max Pacioretty's well aware of fucking head trauma. So it's just the idea that, you know, you have incidents like that where players are punching each other in the back of the fucking head. 
let alone the idea of here is somebody cross-checking somebody in the head. Like, that's not a hockey play. It's so incredibly fucking dangerous with everything we've seen in sports regarding head trauma. So the idea, should Matthews have been suspended? Yes, but Leafs fans do justifiably get to say, well, what the fuck about this? Like, where was where was the Department of Player Safety for this incident? And you saw a lot of those threads on Twitter and Reddit, and of course the trolls were out in full force. Oh, salty Leafs fans. <laughs> but it's the idea of, like, no, Leafs fans have a legitimate gripe. And the majority of rational ones that I have seen agree. Austin Matthews should be suspended. You crossed the line. But the problem is, as we've talked about all season long, with the Department of Player Safety, there is no consistency whatsoever. And Leafs fans are justifiably pissed because there have been incidents very similar to this, if not identical, that have not resulted in the uh, same standard of punishment, especially for someone like Matthews, who has no uh, you know history under their guidelines. Honestly, it's... Um... Everyone thinks, oh, like, leave media bias, but, like, if if this sets the bar, then I'm like, fine, sure. But if something after this happens and there's a similar situation and there's no penalty given out and it's another fucking max allowable under the fucking CBA, just say it's 5,000. Just say it's 5,000 because at this point it's ridiculous. Like, come on. I mean, I'm looking back at one of these threads... And I mean, dude, there was an incident in the bubble, May 23rd of last year, uh, the Leafs uh, Hab series, where Wayne Simmons got cross-checked right in the fucking head. Yep. And there was nothing. I remember that. Like, literally a two-hand slat, like, two-hand cross right to the face by Joel Edmondson. And there was there was nothing. Leafs fans are justified. Dude, for the most part, any fan base is justified in being like, what about this? What about this? Because mm-hmm. there is no consistency whatsoever. There is no logic, and we know this. And that is honestly why it's been so difficult as a fan this year. Like, I've noticed, like, you know, obviously, like, I try to watch as many hockey games as I can, Bruins, especially being a Bruins fan. But at the same time, man, like, it's getting to be more and more difficult as the season's gone on. Like, at the start of this season, you know, when Endo kind of joined the podcast uh, at the perfect time to kind of have it get into the discussions, like, it was already happening, you know? And it's it's one of those things where, like, flat out, like, you know, it's been, God, since the end of, end of August, end of September, maybe. Like, flat out, the reason why Deej and I went our separate ways is because we were struggling on finding the middle ground with how to discuss some of the more serious topics in hockey and how to kind of handle the show. Cause you don't want to have it be all negative all the time. Neither of us did for that mm-hmm. you know, matter. But at the same time, it's so difficult to kind of generate the content for a hockey podcast when so many of the conversations are the same. And Endo and I have had that conversation, Sin now as well, who's been a part of the show now for quite a while too. It's that idea of what, like, how how do you handle uh, something more serious, but at the same side of things, how do you handle a consistent issue, 
Officiating has been a consistent issue for years, and especially this season. Like, do we have it be like, okay, here's our weekly talk about how officiating in the Department of Player Safety sucks ass. Mm -hmm. Like, it just it gets to be so frustrating and tiresome. And for me, makes it difficult to just want to watch hockey because you get the sense of like, okay, cool, what bullshit am I going to see in terms of officiating tonight in this particular game? Because it does feel like a nearly daily occurrence at this point. And we head into the playoffs, Endo, where, you know, it's that idea of like, look, penalties still get put, called in the playoffs, but there is that idea that, I, I guess that credo, so to speak, like, oh, the refs put away the whistles in the playoffs mm -hmm. or suspensions in the playoffs. Well, one playoff game is really worth two regular season games, like shit like that. Where it's just, I can't say I'm overly excited for the playoffs right now either, even though the Bruins are likely to be in, because what are the conversations likely to be? Oh, that was such a great play and a great game. Or is it going to be like, yeah, the refs really had an influence on that one? It's more likely to be the latter. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I think Jay Fresh was talking about it on Twitter and how... Um the the myth the 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 feeling of oh less penalties are called in the playoffs versus like actually regular season was like debunked completely because like there's been a higher ratio of more calls in the playoffs but it's like oh what type of variant of a of a call is it is it like an interference or is it like a sticking major major like interference or stuff like that but yeah I see I see what you mean oh so the cat's out of the bag with with everything from the past and the whole change of everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, geez, like, not to cut you off, but even at the start of the year, do you remember when they're like, yeah, we're cracking down on slashing calls and that lasted for less than a month? <laughs> um, I could have used that on, uh, what was it, Thursday when we had, when was at the game? I could have used that, uh, a few slashing calls being on, 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 on both ends, honestly. Wasn't even just, um, to go back to uh, Thursday with the... Leafs Yotes, there were calls on both ends that were just kind of ignored. Um, Leafs mm. took a, the only penalty that was given out that day, I think, was the too many. What was it? Uh, they tried to call. No, they tried. They challenged the goal, and it, it was it was like, yeah, it's a goal. It's fine, whatever. And they lost, or then they had to give the guy in the box. That's it. I think it was the only penalty called. Yeah, well, geez, it, yeah, the Heritage Classic, too. I forgot all about that reviewed goal where they're just like, yeah, there's no way this goal will count. And then they're just like, it counts because Morazic knocked the net off. Oh, my God. I, can, I, can I go on Which, a little tangent about that, too? Or Yeah. Uh, not, yeah, not go too for much. it. Not too much. Go for so, it. So, as a goalie, um, you know, playing it off the post and stuff like that is, we, we use the post. A lot of goalies use the post, a lot of goalies don't. Uh, I use the post personally to push off with my skates. Uh, some guys don't do because oh. they don't like the blade hitting the post or the feeling of it. Uh, I've I've got like diamond coated whatever the I got like expensive ass blades so I can I can push off it and not have to worry about my blade going dull. Um, so for not for him like basically pushing off and then that being going out of out of the way, uh, like mm. you you expect as an NHL goaltender your post to be in there. And I guess the net, the the ice wasn't like solid for the net itself, uh, because it shouldn't give way like it like that that easily. Um, I yeah. I know the pegs that they use in there, like the piranha pegs, so they they fucking stick in there. 
So it must have been just the net wasn't propped in properly. Uh, and that might have caused it just to go away. So to say that he like kicked it off on purpose is wrong because he uses the post to play the puck. Yeah, that was kind of my takeaway there too. But it's, you know, I can understand some of the argument where it's like, okay, you know, you basically the, the fine balance between the post being locked in tight enough with the moorings to not, you know, uh, to allow a goalie to push off, but at the same time, how they've tried to make it safer if someone crashes into the goal so they don't snap a freaking femur like we've seen before. So, I don't know, I, I get that fine balance too. I thought you were going to go further into a goaltending rant, which we'll get to in a second, but <laughs> I, I want to mention with the Leafs. Uh, obviously now they're missing Austin Matthews for two games. Uh, he, along with Marner, they have uh, both have 25 points in their last 16 games since the All-Star break. Uh, worth noting, by the way, JT Miller has 25 and 13 games. Why the hell were the Canucks ever talking about trading him? He has another year left on his deal. What the fuck? For the Leafs, though, this was their sixth straight game, allowing four or more goals. That is the first time that has happened since 1942. No, no, because it's the Leafs. That happened in 20, uh, 2006, uh, 2006, I should say. Between January 10th and 28th, 2006, they also had a stretch of six straight games with four or more goals allowed. Uh, the most concerning part is that uh, three of those six games recently have been against teams in the bottom five in terms of point percentage in the league. Seattle, uh, they allowed four. Arizona, they allowed five. And now they allow five against Buffalo in the Heritage Classic. Obviously, Jack Campbell is still hurt. Peter Morazic is a dumpster fire. To the point where Eric Schalgren is going to start tonight for the Leafs. Yes! I just, this will be the year they make it out of the first round because it's completely illogical that they do Yeah. because their goaltending situation has not been this bad in God knows how long, I think is the, uh, the best way to sum it up. When is the last time Endo, you as a Leafs fan had less confidence in the goaltending? Because before this, there was Freddie Anderson. Mm -hmm. But even then, you always had that feeling of like, man, Freddie, if he's on his game, he can do it. Before that, it was Reimer and Scrivens. If I was a Leafs fan, I'd certainly have more confidence in, in those two. And shit, James Reimer just got activated off of IR for the Sharks, so who knows. At the same time, like, you mentioned, didn't you? Yeah, you mentioned, like, Gustafson and Toscala earlier yep. in the show. Mm-hmm. Would you have had more confidence in them than Peter Morazic? Because I think I would. <laughs> I I don't even know what's going on. The only thing that I'm really concerned about is that we have his contract on the books for two more years after this, uh, at three point eight, mm -hmm. and the He's Leafs are gonna have to get rid of. He him. has to. Yeah, like he They're has to, to go now. He makes three point eight million against the cap. He has a three four eight goals against average with an 884 save percentage in 17 appearances. And look, I get it. Like, There's a reason why they risked it with Peter Mrazek. Uh, prior to getting injured last year, he had a 923 in 12 games with the Canes, and you think, well, shit, maybe. Uh, but then, you know, all the inconsistency before that. Like, They took a gamble. It did not work out. They need to be in on any goalie 
that they can possibly get right now. Uh, you can't sit there. I mean, Jack Campbell's still probably your guy, but let's be honest. If it's not Jack Campbell, you're looking at Joseph Wall or Eric Schalgren, who have very, very little NHL experience, or you're looking, as it stands, at Michael Hutchinson or Carter Hutton. They need to do something. And mm-hmm. I kind of mentioned this on Twitter after the game. I think Kyle Dubas is boned. I think he's boned. Because it's either you don't go for it at all and just kind of leave the team as it is, which is a scary proposition. Mm-hmm. I think Endo would agree at this stage. That's a scary idea of this team just as they are. Let's hope for the best. That's scary. You can add a couple of depth pieces, like minor pieces. But let's be honest, did they not kind of do that last year with like Cart uh, with uh, Riley Nash and guys like that? It didn't work. Mm-hmm. Or you can really go for it. And that's kind of what I think they have to do. Because if they fall short, I hate to say it, in the first round again, Endo, do, how does he keep his job? How? I think he almost has that pressure. You still have your first round pick and your second. They have their first and seconds still for the next three years. They haven't dealt any of them. I'm sorry, but is now not the time to use those picks, use those prospects, get some of these rougher contracts off the books, and try to you know pay the premium like Colorado did to get Josh Manson? Like, if you're not sold, like, Peter Morazic, you can get a team to take $3.8 million of Peter Morazic. You cannot tell me that the Arizona Coyotes won't be like, let's go, first round pick, let's do it. Of course they will. You can't tell me that, say you don't have faith in Justin Hall. Two years, two million. He's got one year left after this. You could move on from Justin Hall and bring in a, a defender that makes four or five million. No problem. Is now not the time for them to make these moves? I mean... You know, in goal, you talk about who's on the market, and I mean, Mark Andre Fleury's probably the guy. Like that's been the name, and it's because like you're not gonna go after too many. Like there really aren't that many goalies out there that are on an expiring deal. It's just not gonna happen at this stage. So. I, I don't know. Like, how do you feel right now uh, as a Leafs fan? Like, if they if they don't make any moves, if they make minor moves, if they go for it, like, what are you hoping for? Again, the deadline's less than six days away now. I think they need to look at the prospect pool for the next three seasons and determine, like, if they were to even get out of the first round either in one of these three seasons, can they afford to give up a first-round pick? Um, I think this. I think this year is a very uh, defensive base, like first round. So mm-hmm. I think this would be the year that you keep that pick and maybe you go to second round pick. I, even if you like ship Mrazek over to, that's the thing though. You're gonna give up Peter Mrazek. You're gonna take that contract and a first. So you're gonna have to give up next year's first. But if you're gonna get to like 
if you're giving it to um, Arizona, I think they're probably going to. I do first. think they could move Morazic for less than a first. Yeah. To be fair, but I get your point. But like other teams know what the situation they're in, mm, so that's true. the thing too. Because um, they're not just going to look a gift horse in the mouth and be like, "Yeah, whatever, just take this, whatever." They might even have to even do something stupid like retain and take like a second round instead. Because who fucking knows anymore, man? Like they could they could have to do that, and then they're still screwed with the the cap situation. Because um, they still got if they're going to keep Jack Campbell, they need to pay him adequately because his contract is up. And taking that three point eight mm-hmm. off of the books would help out a lot, considering right, what he gets paid right now. But then you have to look at other players who are also expiring on their contracts, but they don't care because they're not, they're not the big four or five players. Uh, they can just fill them all with rentals. I know uh, what's his name is going to take a league minimum anyway, so Spets is like a league minimum. Spezza. You have like Nick Robertson yeah. and a bunch of other guys on like ELCs. Um, so looking have, at it, Mikheyev's hmm? a UFA. Yep. Uh, Labushkin's probably going to be a rental. He's already said he wanted out from before, so yeah, it's true. That's yeah. true. So, so he's definitely gone. Yeah, and Leaf fans are already hating him because of some plays recently, not being able to find his footing when he's not really playing on a line that he's really comfortable with. That's what's going to happen. Um, it's just, yeah. I I'm intrigued to see what happens because I think if. You are looking ahead, and the the logic is let's hold off and not really go all out this year. How, like, is there that confidence then to basically say we still have some some pieces to shuffle around? Is the confidence then there, you know, three years and ten months into Kyle Dubas's tenure? Is he going to be given year four, five, six to then be allowed to add those extra pieces? Because even if you draft a defenseman in the first round this year, what are the odds that they're a Moritz Sider? Incredibly low. Like even Kale McCarr spent a couple of seasons in the NCAA. I'm very intrigued to see what Kyle Dubas does and the confidence that Leafs management has in him to still be the guy because the pressure is so fucking immense on that organization to win. You have a generational goal scorer. I said it in mm-hmm. Austin Matthews legitimately. I, that that's the appropriate term for Austin Matthews right now. It just is not to mention, holy shit. He might be the best all around player in the NHL because he plays great fucking defense, like Selkie caliber defense. You have Mitch Marner playing probably the best hockey of his career as well. And to say we're still not there yet, after you were the one that signed John Tavares, after you were the one to hand Morgan Riley an extension that's going to pay him $2.5 million more against the kit. Like, just when? Like, when does that situation boil over? Because... Again, heading into this year, heading into last year, it was, it's got to be this year from Leafs fans. Heading into this year, it's got to be this year. It definitely, certainly has to be this year. And now here we are approaching the deadline. They're in a great spot, standings-wise. I mean, again, right now, as of recording, uh, they are in third in the Atlantic, 
oh wait, what's that? They're not in a great spot because the Boston Bruins are suddenly only two points behind them. Like, it went from, like, okay, it's a certainty that they're going to be okay, and they're probably going to play Tampa in the first round, to now they could be a wild card team, which you could be honest, or you could, you know, say might even be a benefit to them. But, of course, middle of the season, the wheels fall off with something, and this year it was goaltending again. So, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like this is... We finally got that moment, Endo, this season where we get to talk about the Leafs without you just being like, oh, fuck. Because now it's like, okay, it's starting to feel real. Trade deadline's coming up. Yeah. The playoffs are going to start in less than two months. And fuck. Like, you, you can kind of see the writing on the wall. But at the same time, it's the Leafs. And if they get into the playoffs, who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? Because every time they make the playoffs, this should happen. So the opposite happens. Mm-hmm. We should beat the Blue Jackets. You lost. We should beat the Habs. You lost. Sorry for bringing this up. Eh. We are going to get fucking killed because we can't find a goalie to stop the puck. Sweep. You'll win the cup. Sweep. <laughs> Wins <laughs> all four rounds in a sweep. The, Kyle the Dubas run. gets the con Smythe. <laughs> Kyle Dubas masterclass. Subvert your expectations so low so that way you literally cannot do worse. There you go. So I'm very intrigued to see what's going to happen with the Leafs, no doubt. Um, you know, as much as I'm kind of intrigued at what the Bruins might do. Uh, the Leafs are probably the team above all else. Like, obviously, we talked about it. I'm excited to see where Claude Giroux is going to go. <clears throat> Boston, please. Um that's not going to happen. I'm very intrigued to see what happens with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Best way to put it. And I'm sure Endo's nervous as shit, judging by your face. Or <laughs> it's just like, God, can you not for once just actually have confidence and be allowed to be confident in your team? And the answer is no. Only two teams are confident, and that's probably Tampa because they've won back-to-back cups and Colorado. But even then, I think Avs fans are still nervous because, hey, couple of injuries away from falling off again. Wanted to mention for the Sabres, though, uh, time and time again they've proven throughout this season that they're a tough team to play against, and we've said that numerous times. Uh, they have four wins this month. Uh, March over the past few years has previously been a nightmare for them. Endo, between 2019 and 2021, in the month of March, they had one win. One. In March. Over those three years. Obviously, COVID happened and cut down on some of the games. But now they have four wins this month. Like, the Sabres, you know, they get that big win. We talked, I mean, I went on that rant about Jack Eichel in the last episode and how I thought that was bullshit. But at the end of the day, the Sabres are in a decent spot here. If they play their cards right, if they figure out how to hire a scouting department, remember that, they'll be okay. They have three firsts this year. Already. And you could talk about stripping away an RFA and Victor Olafson. I don't know if anyone's taking Cody Eakin. Vinny Hinostroza might be. Like, Vinny Hinostroza is going to be a Bruin. Like, that's what I mean for you as a Leafs fan. Like, oh, that type of depth guy. Like, Vinny Hinostroza's played well recently. And that's always the type of guy the Bruins seem to go after at the deadline, except for last year where they got Taylor Hall. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's interesting. 
to see kind of how this is going to play out. By the way, I was looking at the uh, Sabres cap friendly. Shout out to LTIR uh, Sabre Johnny Boychuk. Forgot all about that. Oh, my God. Last year of his deal, he's on LTIR for the Sabres. What the fuck? (laughs) Wasn't he a Leaf? Uh, Bruin Islander, one year for the Avs before he got traded. It's where we had his LTIR for, like, a while. I want to look this up now because, honestly, you might have. (laughs) Well, you guys had, like, Robida, obviously, with Robida Island. I'm trying to remember who else you guys had. And I don't quite remember. I, I it wasn't Boychuk, but I I know who you're thinking of. Where it's like, oh yeah, he was randomly on the Leafs IR. Um, yeah. So hey, the Sabers, they're not in a bad spot at all. Obviously, have some good prospects. Alex Tuck fits that team like a glove right now. Uh, for the Leafs, though, it's just that same amount of pressure. Now, I talked about the rant that I went on in regards to the Sabers. I have uh, done my fair share of ranting uh, regarding the Chicago hockey team. And yes, I will continue to call them the Chicago hockey team until we see some change with that organization, whether it be ownership or branding. And I'll also continue to look at the way that the likes of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane conducted themselves uh, back in 2010, and certainly after the initial response to the news of everything that happened towards the end of last year. I'm still going to look at them for those initial responses and who they elected to defend and then backtracked on. Uh, that said, and, uh, Patrick Kane is going to go down as the greatest American player in NHL history. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a Patrick Kane jersey still that hasn't sold. Boy, I wonder why a Patrick Kane jersey hasn't sold. Uh you know, as a player, Patrick Kane's incredible. Like, legit. I, we talked about the idea, I think it was on the show, of like, why do we still have Facebook? I still have Facebook for two reasons. One, I like to interact uh, with my old-ass family members who still use Facebook. Two, on a daily basis, I cringe because I look back at my Facebook memories. And I have had some memories pop up recently of being like, I was heavy on the, the Blackhawks bandwagon in 2009, 2010, before 2011, obviously. Um, I had a soft spot for Chicago. I did. Um, again, Patrick Kane, despite the uh, the cab incident when, you know, Hawks fans today will be like, hey, he's moved beyond that, and they're probably not wrong. But... You know, I was a big fan of the team, of this player in particular. And yeah, like I'm going to give him his his due. Like he moved into second all-time in uh, team history, uh, team scoring history, uh, recorded point one thousand one hundred and fifty-four, passing Bobby Hull. Uh, what a, another, another big role model there for the uh, Chicago hockey team. Uh, Stan Makita is in first. Again, Kane on 1,154 points. Makita on 1,467. Uh, so Kane over 300 points to go. Despite the fact that uh, he... And this shows how fucking good Stan Makita was in his prime. Um, and even in his later years. Patrick Kane has the same amount of points as Stan Makita at the same age. Both men recorded point one thousand one hundred fifty four at the age of thirty three. So theoretically, Kane could stay on the team long enough to accomplish the all time record uh, for Chicago. 
I'm intrigued to see if he does. Honestly, you know, we've had that conversation now for years and even before the Kyle Beach stuff came up about whether or not they would trade Taves and Kane. They are both heading into the final year of their deal. I could see Patrick Kane hanging around. Um, I mean, Jonathan Taves has looked kind of washed this year, uh, but Patrick Kane hasn't slowed down. I mentioned Matthews and Marner, as well as JT Miller being up there and scoring since the All-Star break. Patrick Kane is fifth on that list in terms of most points since the All-Star break. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens, but I think needless to say, you know, Kane, 68 points in 56 games. If he does stay with Chicago, he will go down as that franchise's all-time leading scorer. And as I mentioned, future, you know, future Hockey Hall of Famer and will likely have a more impressive stat line. He certainly has a more impressive trophy cabinet than Mike Madano. I, I give him his due that he has earned on the ice. Yeah, um, I think he's probably going to stay. Um, I think there, there are reasons why he he would probably leave. He'd definitely be a trade uh, prospect. But I don't, I don't see Patrick Kane leaving. I just, I just don't. I don't know why. I mean, I think I saw uh, some Chicago fans mention that like he's kind of indicated he'd be all right with staying through a rebuild. He's thirty three. Yeah, I could see him staying as well. At the end of the day, so again, fair play to him. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal hockey player. Not end of, <laughs> but on the ice, end of. Wanted to mention three other things really quickly. The Nashville Predators. Now, the Preds have joined the Oilers as the only two teams to feature two players with 30 goals this season. I will repeat, the Predators and the Oilers are the only two teams with two 30-goal scorers this season so far. Obviously, you have McDavid and Dreisaitl. For Nashville, both Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne have 31 goals. Matt Duchesne has 31 goals. And nobody's talking about it because his hot card's already at 99. Yep. No one no one no one cares <laughs> basically. It's Oh man, hot rules the world. Oh god. Dude, he has been like incredible. Like not to mention like it is it is it's been shown this year that Nashville it's not just Soros and Yossi as to why they're in that playoff contention spot that they currently occupy. Uh, obviously, we have talked about UC Soros a lot. The guy still has a 923 save percentage through 49 games. He's a yep. beast. If it wasn't for Igor Shesterkin, you'd hear his name mentioned a hell of a lot more in the Vesna conversation. Roman Yossi just took the league lead in points for defenders. He has 66 points in 57 games because Roman Yossi is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. He just plays for Nashville. And now Matt Duchesne is essentially on pace for a career year. He has 59 points in 55 games with those 31 goals, which is insanity. Like, you're talking about a guy who was viewed as absolutely cooked. Like, last year, abbreviated season with Nashville, 13 points in 34 games. That's brutal. 
He had six goals in 34 games. The year before that, in 1920, 42 points in 66 games. Still very far off the pace from a point-per-game pace. 1819 was the year that he split time uh, between Ottawa and Columbus. Uh, was under a point per game. Uh, once he got to Columbus, was a little bit over it in Ottawa. So really, it was after that Columbus playoff run where the Blue Jackets really stacked up. He had 10 points in 10 playoff games, but then goes to Nashville and eh, he's cooked. And no. <laughs> no, he's not. And, you know, you're looking at a guy here that's 31 years old. He's still got a lot of time left. Philip Forsberg was that name heading into the trade deadline where everyone's like, oh man, Philip Forsberg's going to get traded. And we're like, why? And now... All those rumors have kind of died down with Nashville saying we're trying to keep him, as they should. Philip Forsberg, again, 31 goals as well. He, on the season, has 54 points in 46 games, which is fantastic. And then there's the third member of that top line. Those are two-thirds of the top line. The other guy is Ryan Johansson. Also viewed as previously cooked. Uh, he has 44 points in 56 games, but still, that's not too bad based off of where his reputation was. He still makes $8 million against the cap until 2025. Woo. Nashville, we got asked that question, Endo, at the start of the show. Who's that sneaky team? It could honestly be Nashville. You have a bona fide number one defenseman on pretty much any team in the league. You have a Vesna caliber goaltender. And you have a guy like Matt Duchesne, proving he's not cooked. Philip Forsberg, slam dunk 30 goal scorer. Nashville's not looking all that bad. And Endo agrees. <laughs> yeah, no, but, I just, I just, I'm, I'm doom scrolling Twitter right now, and someone has a free Austin sign at the Toronto Maple Leafs game. I mean,. Fuck this! As I mentioned on the show last week, there's still free Kane Velasquez signs out there. So, of course, it'd be a free Austin sign. And there's an adorable one where it says, "Hey, Mitch, what is your Fortnite username?" Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Fucking hate Fortnite. Anyways, back to you. With Nashville, though, I want to mention this because we will continue to talk about this for years and years and years. With hindsight being what it is. And you don't know how he would have played on a different team. But Seattle could have had Matt Duchesne. They could have had Vladimir Tarasenko. They could have had Max Domi. He has 31 points on the air. That would have been fourth best on the Kraken. Instead, they chose Gavin Bayreuther, who went right back to Columbus. Seattle could have gone on a Vegas-like run. They absolutely could have. Now that we sit here and look at who they passed up on. All the talks of, oh, well, some of those other trades weren't really available. They still, with the players that were available, some cap hits be damned, they could have made things happen. Not to mention, if you have the Duchesne and Tarasenko cap hits, that doesn't lead you to signing Grubauer to a what looks like now a fairly brutal contract. So you would have kept Vanacek and Dreger, and the goaltending would have been as bad as it is, but likely better, potentially, because you would have had more goal-scoring support. <laughs> yeah. Again, 
for Nashville, things are looking good. But holy shit, again, we talked about them earlier. Seattle being a bottom three team in the league. Ron Francis better hope that he delivers at the draft. Like, you know, they might have some pieces in play with Giordano, maybe Cali Oncroak. I I think they fucked up. And that's not exactly a hot take anymore to think that they fucking blew it. Like, even at the moment we thought they probably blew it. They blew it. I genuinely think. Now, again, I thought that roster would have been better. You know, I looked at that defense on paper. It's probably not going to be that bad. It's been pretty bad. Dave Haxtall. That was also before uh, we realized that, yeah, Dave Haxtall is what we thought he was. That was also before, uh, by the way, on the season, Grubauer has an 888 in 44 games. Dreger has an 886. So basically, you have two Peter Morazics for Seattle. Boy, I wonder why they're struggling. Oh, boy. They could have been really damn good. They could have been. And uh, no. No, they're not. Rebuild. They're not. Rebuild what you're building. I don't know, man. Like, It's just building. <laughs> they just got to build at this point. Creating. Yeah, there you go. Uh, final two things to talk about really quickly. Uh, first and foremost for the Minnesota Wild, uh, they retired Miko Koivu's number. The second number retired in team history. Endo, do you know the first? Uh, I know this. It's one of the Stahl brothers. It is not. Huh? Wait, hold on. What was the question? For the Minnesota Wild. For Minnesota. They've retired one other number aside from Miko Koivu's number nine. Oh, no, what no, not that. Not that. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the... Um, I, I was reading something else above the next question you're gonna ask me about the the hat trick thing. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, that's a stall brother. I know that. I have no clue. <laughs> it's the number one. You know who wore the number one? Um, the fans. Um, the fans. That was the only number retired by the Wild. The number one for the best fans. I think it's hilarious. A lot of people think it's cringy and hate it. I think it's great. That said, fuck, man. Like, start showing respect. Granted, you might not say they totally deserved a number retirement, but Jesus, like, show me Manny Fernandez, Wes Walls, Philip Kuba, Marion Gabarik, for fuck's sake. Oh, like, yeah. Jesus, but... Leaf legend. Uh... Koivu played for the team between 2005 and 2020 before finishing his career with Columbus, which will be a trivia answer in 10 years. Uh, he ranks first in games played, assists, and points for the Wild. And in 10 out of the 15 years that he played for the Wild, he received Selkie votes and probably would have won the award at least once had it not been for the likes of Patrice Bergeron and Pavel Datsuk. So congrats to Miko Koivu and congrats to the Wild for finally properly retiring a number. <laughs> And end up, to end the show, you kind of mentioned this already, or you, you, you know, the cat's out of the bag and onto the roof. Uh, Cole Sillinger scored his first career hat trick for the Blue Jackets over the weekend, 18 years and 301 days old, which puts him, I believe, in the 11th spot for youngest hat trick ever, actually identical, uh, identical age to Patrick Laine. And uh, not his first hat trick, because he has quite a few, but a Patrick Line hat trick nonetheless. You were right in that the youngest player of all time to record a hat trick is a Stahl brother. It is Jordan Stahl, who did it against 
Throttle Mate believes, and it was the pens. Yes, he did. Because he played on the pens. Yep. At 18 years and 153 days old, Jordan Stahl recorded the uh, hat trick for the youngest hat. It was the youngest player to record a hat trick in NHL history. Do you know who was second? Sidney Crosby. That's yeah, Patrick Line. Okay. October 19th, 2016, as a Jet. Do you know who he scored it against? <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah! Uh, let's see, another one. 18 years and 225 days old. Don Gallinger in 1943. Boston against? Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, December 23rd, 1983. Steve Iserman at 18 years, 228 days old. For the Detroit Red Wings, who did he score that hat trick against? Uh. March 13th, 1982. Dale Howarchuk, God rest his soul, for the Winnipeg Jets at 18 years and 343 days old. Scored a hat trick against... This is why my father left me. And the last time they appear on the list here in like the top 20 to top 25, Pat LaFontaine for the New York Islanders at 19 years and 10 days old, March 3rd of 1984 for the New York Islanders, scored a hat trick in a five-point game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> oh, that was fun. That was a fun way to end the show, don't you think? Yeah. He forgets. Yeah, there you go. Funny say, stuff. And does very big on the audio portion of the show. If you're not if you're not <laughs> watching uh, or the video portion of the show, if you're not watching the video portion of the show, make sure to do so because it's you, you're missing a lot of substance there. But again, you can find us. Uh, links are in the description, of course, uh, if you're on the audio side of things. You can watch us on the YouTube side of things. Just search Tukey's Take Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the channel, and we appreciate you guys for doing that, uh, of course, as well. Thank you for listening to us, whether it be on Spotify, Patreon, not Patreon, well, uh, Patreon on occasion. Still working on getting control of my Patreon back after that hacking incident, by the way, so that's great. But yeah. Spotify, Google. Apple, Reason, and everywhere else you guys listen. It's greatly appreciated. Endo Mills, what are you up to? What do you have to promote as we head to the end of this show? I made merch. Just full stop. No, I made, um, I redesigned some stuff over the weekend and I got really, really bored. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to make new merch and completely overhaul my stream overnight uh because i was just like eh fuck it this this brandon looks kind of cool uh so if you go to endomills.ca there are some brand new designs there there is the anti-hockey hockey club which is a play on anti-social social club uh it's basically a design uh that i like it's really cool uh the whole reason why it's anti-hockey hockey club is because i've had a really really big love-hate relationship with the hockey as of the past mm -hmm. two three years and everything that's been going on so i support hockey but at the same time i don't support hockey so i think it's a perfect shirt um they have the other one it's carve your own uh which is a design that i did as well uh just basically trying to create your own path and create your own identity and then you have uh the endo mills cross shirts as well uh every design on there also has a sticker you can pick up for about five dollar 
$5 US, I think. I'm not sure. Probably. Uh, if not, yeah. Uh, that's what I've got going on. Uh, I'm going to probably stream, not tonight, maybe tonight. I don't know. I'm going to stream either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, doing also the casting with um, Sports Gamer. Uh, we're doing, hey. I, I believe it is the ECL Core, ECL core or Light. I mm. cannot remember specifically which one it is. But it's, core. <laughs> it's great. Um, great game so far. Uh, right now, um, one team's got a 3 nothing lead going into tomorrow's game four. It's going to be a sweep or a reverse sweep. It's going to be fucking great. I love it. There you go. And again, of course, that is sportsgamer.gg. You can... Here, Endo Mills on the call with good friend of the show, Mr. B Major. Oh, he's good. He is. He's He's so good. (laughs) He's like, oh, man, I'm feeling off. Like, what the? What are you talking about? He's younger than you, too, which is ridiculous. Like, how how old is he? He's like 20 or 21. Okay. Yeah. He's he's younger than me. He's not not that much. Still, though, like, it's ridiculous. Like, professionalism God, like i'm sorry but that's one of the things right like i've been doing this long enough you can find me everywhere at 2k24 by the way uh watch me stream wwe 2k22 because again somebody bought that for me randomly and it's actually okay um fuck that company though for sports washing with the kingdom of saudi arabia saudi blood money yeah i've been doing this yeah right? <laughs> i've been doing this also, we're we're starting their career mode. It's called My Rise, and I've we've made a character last night officially, Buffet Dudley, the next uh, Dudley brother. So make sure to watch his rise. <laughs> Point being, though, to end the show as he watches the bread dough rise. Um, like I've been doing this for long enough now, right? Like I started this when, or I started on YouTube when I was twenty-one. Yeah, yeah, I started on YouTube when I was twenty-one. Yeah. So, like, literally, I'm already, and now at 28, like, I'm already, you know, old enough <laughs> to have gone from people who were 28 when I started going, like, hey, yeah, man, you, you got something. Keep up with this shit. To now I get to see people who are 20, 21, 22, 23, you know, in your and B Major's age bracket. And I get to just be like, shit, man, these guys are good. <laughs> like, these guys are going. Somewhere, and hopefully, like, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like, I've talked about it as well, like, knowing that someone like uh, Gravite, now of a Sportsnet fame, like, he used to watch my channel when he was, like, 12, for fuck's sake. And now, like, a lot of people are just like, I've had some uh, trolls on occasion just being like, oh, he made it further than you. That's fucking cool that he made it further than me. He fucking deserves it. The kid's smart as hell and has worked his ass off. And it's the same thing, like... I'm excited to see where someone like Endo Mills goes. Because I see the fucking work you put in. I'm excited to see where someone like a Mr. B Major happens to go. Because this kid's 20 years old. And a fucking... Just a a freak of a a broadcaster in terms of what he's able to do and put the prep work in that he does. And I will say, that is the key, by the way. For anybody, I don't care if you want to be a normal sports broadcaster, an esports broadcaster like I am, have a podcast like I do. It's that idea of, like, man, it's all, like, it's about the prep work. Like, the prep work is the job. Like, the more informed you are, the more homework that you do, the better you're going to come off, even if you feel like you don't have the the voice or the cadence, you can work on that. It's the work ethic that needs to be there to get you pretty much anywhere. So I'm going to stop uh, hyping up my friends. 
And thank you guys again for listening to the Toogie's Take Podcast. Again, check out Manscaped, code Toogie, 20% off your order, free worldwide shipping. We will see you guys this Friday, that much closer to the deadline. And, of course, again, I'll have a live stream uh, on deadline day, most likely on Twitch. Keep an eye out on the Twitter for more information there. Endo, thank you for joining me as always, buddy. And we'll see you guys later on in the week. Go Leafs. No. No Leafs, no. (laughs) 